Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. And now a quick word from our sponsor. I've used Zencaster software for well over two years now and become very fond of not only the technology but the company and its people too. They've been really with me as they've been with me along my entire journey. The podcasting industry has grown a lot in that time too with projections showing that by 2030 it'll be worth well over $150 billion. More than 30,000 passionate creators now use Zencaster to create, grow and monetize their podcasts. It's the ideal platform to record, produce and analyze all in one place. Now you can be a part of the journey as Zencaster has announced crowdfunding. From as little as $100, you can join a community of other investors who seek to help Zencaster and independent podcasters succeed. If you're interested in investing in Zencaster, go to wefunder.com slash Zencaster or click the link in my episode description below to claim your slice of the future of podcasting. One of the stories that's touched on in the book, uh, I spoke to Chase Klutzke um, back in the early days of the podcast in 2020 and at the time a listener had a, shared a story with me which you included within the book and essentially Chase and her husband was with her and a few other folks and you experienced missing time crossing a section of a field that you're you're all well aware should only take a few minutes and it, it takes much longer. During that encounter the listener asked me given something they had heard that you had been taken off planet during that experience and I wonder if that's something you would confirm if that has ever happened to you or anyone with you I asked Chase and at the time she didn't want to comment well I write about Chase in the book and um, a little short uh, her husband is a US naval sub commander right carries secret clearances he's this big guy he navigates the world underneath the water and has a watched navigation watched, I mean, a high tech thing. And what it was, was there's a, um, a group of people, uh, from a ghost hunting outfit in Wilmington, North Carolina was in my little hometown where my mother was born and I was kind of reared up a little town called St. Paul's. My grandfather's buried there. My family's buried. And it's only 20 minutes from where I live now. But Chase calls me on a Sunday night and says, or Monday night, and says, Chris, have you ever heard of St. Paul's? I said, hold on, don't tell me. Yes, I've heard of St. Paul's. I was raised there. I said, but don't tell me. I want to tell you first. So I begin to tell her about Saturday night. I walk outside. I sit down on the patio, got a fire going. And um, I lay back, looking straight up at the sky, just meditating. And suddenly two orange orbs appear way up. And they came all the way down to the top of the trees and sat there in the back of my property, hovering over the trees. Two great big orange orbs. When they left, they shot off towards St. Paul's. So I told her this story. And then she tells me about these ghost hunters 
um, they, they had walked out of the house and into the forest and these orange streaks went right over their head. And two hours later, uh, they had lost two hours of time. So she asked if I would be in, interested in investigating it with her because she was coming to our area. And so a week later, I call a friend from NASA. He flies in um, for the day. I pick him up and uh, that's the famous Timothy Taylor you hear Diana Silk talk about. I introduced him to Diana, by the way. She uh, she met him a couple years, three years after I did or so. Um, but we were all there, and and that night they invited me back for a ghost hunt. They wanted to recreate the thing. So I dropped Tim back off at the airport, and he goes home to Huntsville. I went back over there and met with them, and they did their thing in the house with their EVPs, and I sat outside. I wasn't interested in that. But the where they missed time was behind the house. There's a cabin in the edge of the forest behind, a kind of across the field. So you walk out the back door of this plantation house. There's a big field. Go to the other side of the field, and inside the trees, just in the woods, is this cabin. So we go over there. And uh, we take off through the forest behind the cabin. And 15 minutes walk, we come out on a power line, a big high-tension power line, just just a clear lane. You know, you can see their way a mile. But it's 15 minutes across these heads of woods. But here's the key. Behind that cabin is a ditch. Ten feet from the back steps is a big ditch. So we all had to go in the ditch. It's dry, trees growing up in it, thick forest. And then 15 minutes to the power line. So when it was time to go back to the cabin, we made it through the woods, got over there, looked around, and, and on our way back, um, when we started, Pete's like, I'll do the navigation. We need to take this heading. We're going to come right out at the car where the cabin is. So eight of us in that group. I was the number eighth in line. I was in the back. Chase was in front of me, so we were bringing up the tail end. Pete's in the front, guiding. When we get to the ditch, Andy, I'd never seen anything like this, especially when I saw Pete and what it did to him. Uh, this guy's six foot five or six, and he's, you know, he's a, he's a model, maybe seal, just a big honking. He's a teddy bear, right? But he's still a very smart guy. So when we got to the ditch and we walked down in the ditch and out on the other side, we walked back out on the power line. There is no ditch near the power line. It's behind that cabin. And when we did that, everybody said, oh, my God. And I didn't I knew what happened because I was meditating. I was singing a song the whole way across there. And it messed everybody up really bad. And we went, turned around and walked back the other way towards the power line, we thought. And we came to the ditch again and walked through the ditch up to the cabin. And it just blew the whole group's mind. And I told them, I said, we lost 15 minutes of time. Well, how, and so they went home and they, were, they had helmet cams and recording devices and, you know, they had all kinds of equipment. They had started a timer in the car. And she calls me on 
the following uh, Monday or Tuesday after they reviewed the evidence. And she said, you're never going to believe what happened. I said, yeah, we lost 15 minutes of time. She said, how did you know? I said, because I witnessed it. It takes 15 minutes to go across that head of woods. And one trip across it is when they took us. And um, so anyhow, yeah, I write about this story. And there's a lot more to it. And, um, yeah, so that's not the only person. I've had scientists from the government lose as much as two hours of time on my property, along with me. And I wonder, how many times do you remember potentially being taken off planet? Quite a few. Quite uh, a and few. the to any of the others such as and i know chase didn't want to talk about it at the time um but any of those scientists or officials if they have that missing time experience do any of them recall what happened to them or does it tend to be just missing for them it, it, it tends to mess with their, their memories they can't remember what happened during that time and i don't think we ever will know uh, because they have a good way of erasing your memory and you, we tend to get regressions and all that, hoping you find clues, but um, you can remember bits and pieces of it, but it's almost impossible. Like the four hours on the river, I have plain memories about being over Egypt. Of all that night, of the grueling, uh, the, it was just a, it was a, a big thing, scared us all to death, and four hours seem like four years in that world and i have lots of memories but the, the egypt the uh, temple of hathor the pyramids and the sphinx it just reverberates through my brain and it did from the very beginning that's it's a clue and it's in the book I'd like to thank Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. I've had my Paperlike on the iPad now for a few months and wonder already how I ever done without it. One of the biggest differences for me is how much better the iPad screen looks. The reflection without the Paperlike on long train journeys or in the office was pretty bad. But now watching movies and TV shows is a far more pleasant experience. There just isn't that shine bouncing off the screen. Taking notes and writing podcast shows is also transformed as it feels like it says I am writing on to paper thanks to the nano dot technology tiny micro beads designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the apple pencil across the screen perfect for designing your next hobby balloon to be shot down by the u.s military i kid paperlike is perfect for anyone who owns an ipad and an apple pencil it's a must have they really should put it in with ipads i'd love to see them get that kind of deal you do get a set of two when you buy it so you always have the spare it's genuinely made me use my ipad more than i did before so it's given my existing technology a brand new lease of life to pick up your paperlike head over to paperlike.com forward slash that ufo click buy paperlike and select your ipad size so if you're ready to do more with your ipad head over to paperlike.com forward slash that ufo to get started well there are many more stories like that in the book and obviously i don't want to go through them all because that would defeat the purpose of of you writing a book you could have just came on this podcast and told them all so i'll i'll not tell any more stories what i want to do though chris is i had a fantastic response from listeners getting in touch to ask questions so i would love to go through some of those and i've got a really good one to start off with because you've just mentioned uh, the egyptian goddess hathor and egypt so this question from joe 
asks, does Chris believe that the lady is the same entity that appeared to the three children at Fatima in Portugal? On Ryan Bledsoe's podcast, Ryan mentioned that the lady had identified herself as Hathor, the Egyptian goddess. Can Chris share his thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% believe that. And everybody that's investigated, including the Vatican, um, uh, does as well. Um, whether they admit it publicly. I'm not a Catholic, right? So how can a Baptist guy in North Carolina uh, meet the lady? But what got their attention is the details that I told. The details like the setting sun. The little children of Fatima, um, I think the official story is the sun seemed to spin around and around and kind of wobble. But no, that's the real story is that a setting sun, it looked like the setting sun appeared and it come down out of the sky. It got so close, it dried their clothes out. It had rained previously and it dried them all out. And orbs were flying everywhere. They were going around. And this, this, this like what you would call a flying saucer, but a disc appears way up high and it drops down through the clouds and it's got lights going around it and orbs going everywhere. This was all witnessed by uh, probably 70 or 80,000 people. And a lot of them put it in, in writing. Um, so if you investigate that, you'll see the, uh, the lady that I described was just like the lady in, that the children described. And uh, there's a lot out there about she was a little tiny lady. She was only like three or four feet tall and had a skirt on. You know, so there's a lot to, yeah, I think it was the same one. Who is it? I think she's connected to Hathor. And probably in every, on every continent, in every country, they have stories of a female, divine female, the feminine, the lady, uh, in their, in their history. And it's not by accident. You got Diana, Demeter, Hera, Hathor, Isis, um, Sheba, or, you know, just it's, it's the oldest depiction of God, the oldest, is the Aleutian figure, according to Dr. George Zervos. He gave me a replica of it. Some human nearly three quarters of a million years ago, a human, decided to model uh, a figure of God. And they dug this up by the ground, and it's of a woman. Of course, her face is hidden. She's got like a beehive over her face. But it's clearly a woman, and it's what they were worshiping nearly three-quarters of a million years ago. The Uhlendorf figure come from Germany. It's 50,000 years old, a little metal figure. And uh, it's of the same lady with a beehive on her head and, you know, women features and is a mother goddess. So um, it's just my belief that's who she may be. But I'll stop short of of uh, making claims. I think we just all should read the book if you really want a um, more I think it all matters, the whole story, to help come to that conclusion of what these are. 
Well, I'll ask you the the next question from Kendra. Kendra asks, uh, she would love to know your thoughts on whether you believe your experiences could be spiritual evidence that these beings are angels, Nephilims, or our creators slash gods. Well, one thing I'd like to clarify is the the word Nephilim. That's been misconstrued a billion percent. If you read the Genesis 6, and it says, and let me see how it quotes exactly, or as close as I can get it. And it said um, that, shoot, I got brain block. I'd have to find it. But it talks about in those days, the Nephilim were here before and after the sons of God came down and cohabited with the daughters of man. The sons of God were here before and after, and that the children of this union were men of great renown. It never says that the Nephilim were the children of the fallen angels. Not true. Um, it, It says that they were here before and after. It's plain to read. Just read that. Uh, anybody can. So it's there, that's a different interpretation. So if people t- take one or two words in the Bible and make this humongous story, that where do they get this from? It's all out of the, you know, just out of two or three little words. There's not a whole lot in the Bible about it. So uh, I will say when I reported it 16 years ago to MUFON, when they were interviewing my whole family and we were standing out by the tree that uh, the being was up under and it killed the tree. The limbs just fell off of it. And they took samples and found this unusual radiation background and stuff from this tree. I told them straight up. They said, what do you think happened? I said, I believe there were angels. I believe that then and I believe it now, but I'm still not sure. Right. Because how do you know for sure? Uh, other than they, my interaction with them tends to tell me that's who I'm involved with. I think there's a, there's good and evil. I think where there's good, there's darkness. There may be aliens out there. I, I don't know. I can't say. But just, just say my experience has been positive. And it's got the attention of the federal government for sure. It certainly has. And I'm going to get to that in the follow-up. Kendra had one more point to ask. She wonders, given your experiences, do you have any idea what you think the point of life and our human experience is? Has that shaped it at all? Uh, Yeah. In fact, I'm on the record for years talking about where we are. I believe that the real world is the eternal world around us. Uh, but and the reason I say that is I have so much, so many photos of orbs with my dog in the orb. I lost a Labrador. I was at Mission Control at Cape Canaveral. Came home, been there almost a week. Drove home unexpectedly on a Saturday night. I got home at eight o'clock in the morning, and there's. I knew when I turned off the road into my driveway, she was dead. Because when I opened the door, my wife and all were there. I said. How did my dog die? Blew him away. That was the first question I asked. So I went out to her grave. 
they buried her in the backyard. And I went out there and here this ball of light comes up out of the grave and I took a picture and anybody can, you can't unsee it. You see my lab in that ball of light. And I have children and I have all kinds of life in these orbs, multiple people in some of them. So what it tells me is there the you don't go anywhere that you read the bible they teach you that when you die you go somewhere way out there way away well i don't believe that i think when you die you just stay here and they're all around us watching us go through this simulation much like a video game when when we create a false reality kids get in it and they they become some of them so hooked they don't come out of their basement they live in a fake world right playing well, I think we're somewhat like that, that these beings are able to create a, a biological um, simulation and that it's something we must experience, the happiness and the pain and the suffering and the sadness. And um, But when we leave from here, we go back to our family that's waiting for us. I think if your mama or your grandma's passed away, she's right beside you watching, cheering you on, hoping you make the right decisions. That's my thoughts on the matter. No, thanks for that answer. Uh, the next question was from Casey, and Casey asks, it seems like Chris has been surrounded by deep internal contacts now for some time, and you've mentioned that's, what, 16 years now. Some of those agencies have a less than stellar track record of telling the truth. How do you keep things straight when you interact with these folks, and how do you know you're not being told lies or led astray by these folks? Well, they don't, they don't, um, I don't have that problem because when they come here, they're not coming to tell me anything. They're coming to study the phenomenon. That's a big difference. They know it's here. They know it's around me. They know I'm connected to it. It's like NASA. It's in the book. Right away when they came to my house, they flew, they, they took me down to the, to the most secured facilities on earth. Machine guns pointing at you as I walked in these doors. Had to have a security clearance to get in there. And um, I asked them, I said, why are you worried about me? What, what good am I to you guys? You've got the biggest telescopes. You've got the best cameras on Earth. You've got the, all the money in the world. You've got space rockets and space stations. Why do you care about me, some little country guy from North Carolina, and, and and Tim Taylor is who I asked that to. He looks at me and said, Chris, we know it's there. We see it, but it has absolutely nothing to do with us, none. But we know it likes you for some reason, and we just like to be a part of that. We'd like to study it. And he told me then, he said, don't ever go to any conferences uh, not for now. Stay away from others that experience things. Don't listen to it because we'd like your experience to be yours. So when you tend to go to these places, people are left with these, uh, what happened to me? And suddenly you're beginning to believe what happened to them happened to you. And then all of a sudden it's a Pleiadian or a, a Galactic Federation or something that that becomes your story. So I've stayed away from others 
intentionally for all these years, not going to these things. So my experience is mine, and that's uh, that's where it all started. And it passed around through the agencies and different people from different uh, three-letter agencies or four came here and still come here. And they surrounded the wagons around me because they can study it here. That's why. Java Cat asks, do you ever regret going public? Not at all. I used to. If you read the book, you'll see the struggle I had with that. There's so much in the book that 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 will it shows you the ups and downs and the heartaches and the joy and me being here I am working on stem cell research for NASA, right? With NASA. I have no college education. I couldn't afford it when I was young. My family couldn't. We were just, you know, poor folks. But here I am suddenly working on the first stem cell transplant in, in history. And it was a very successful case. And I got all these people online in the community dogging me and how crazy you are. And I wanted to shout to the top of the roof. If you only knew, look at this, you know, I'm in music control. If you only knew what I'm doing. But yet I couldn't talk about it because I agreed to to work and be and study this because I wanted to know just like they honestly, I don't think the government understands. I know they don't. They absolutely don't know what it is. I can tell you they don't. And they don't know how to tell it because it's conscience based. It's far more complex than any of us can imagine. And so I'm telling what they don't know how to tell. And that's why they wrote the forwards and all this in my book and the introductions and they've been around me. They would love for me to tell it because they don't know how. It's too complex. I'd like to thank User Interviews for sponsoring this episode. When I first started promoting User Interviews a few months ago, I had a wonderful response from many of you out there who got on board early and earned some extra dollars at what's during what's a tough financial time. User Interviews connects researchers with real people like you, quality participants who earn money for their feedback on real products. Right now, there's a high demand for software developers and engineers to give feedback on products being created for developers. It's free to sign up. In less than five of our Earth Minutes, you can apply for your first study. Most studies are less than an hour and pay over $60. Some studies pay several hundred dollars for a one-on-one interview. You get to share your opinion on top brands such as Adobe, Spotify, Intuit, Amazon and many more. I've even signed up myself and the process was very quick. If you're ready to earn extra income from sharing your expert opinion, head over to userinterviews.com hello to sign up and participate today. Well, Chris, I've only got a couple of questions left. A really interesting one for you from the Tree of Life, who sends in some wonderful questions for guests. Does Chris feel the trauma he suffered earlier in his life was a prerequisite for his experiences? Or do you think you were chosen because you suffered? Or did you suffer because they chose you and had a plan for you? Well, and you know, I've thought about this a million times. But um, I'm pretty sure that it's been from birth because when you and I think there was a dark aspect that didn't want me to be here today or else all these weird things wouldn't have happened to me. 
Um, but I think there was a, a battle. Um, I think they they brought me here, just like they brought all of us here for whatever reason. But it's been from early on. It, it wasn't, um, you know, I think suffering brings us closer to, to knowledge and to the truth. And, uh, you know, I just, it's just a hard question to answer there. But I think it's been since I was a little boy. And Chris, a question from Xander. He asks, last year, there were many prominent names in the UFO topic discussing potential cataclysms and rumours of cataclysms that were potentially coming up for the planet or or the human species. Have you heard anything about that or do you have any assessment on that? Well, I was shown a whole lot of stuff. and um, But I'll just say this. I, I despise negativity. I will not talk about anything negative I was shown. Um, but I was shown something even greater. This, the lady, when she came, she came at Easter of 2012, uh, the lady of Fatima, same lady, I assume, or Guadalupe, or Lourdes, France, and same as the white buffalo calf lady. The Indians, the Native Americans in, the, in this country have a history rich about this, this glowing white lady. They called her the white buffalo calf lady that would appear and say troubles on the way and, and warn the people in advance. And, but she told me that, um, that peace was going to come after some trouble, but there was going to be a rain, the, the, the divine feminine, the, the, the mother is coming back that a shift in heaven has occurred. And that peace will eventually come. So, whatever happens between now and then, um, I don't. I don't focus on. I don't want to worry about it. I don't watch the news. If I got up in the morning and they're talking about fighting and and all, I turn it off. I don't want to see it. I don't have TV anyhow. I had in ten years because I don't want to hear it. Whatever enters your eyes and your ears can mess you up and keep you from making contact to that divine source. So I try to stay as away from that and as positive as I, as I can. And I'm looking for that beautiful day the lady talks about that is coming. And so I'm excited for that day. And um, yeah. Final question from Dave Smethurst. Um, you have been in touch with many people we've talked about from the intelligence community. And I know, Chris, you don't like to to give your opinion or, or put upon folks what you think all of this might be. But Dave wants to know, do the officials from the NSA, NASA, the government, do they often share with you what they think it is? Is it, is it extraterrestrial in their opinion or something that's maybe been here for a long time? Um, yeah, I've had many... Um of that a lot of that yeah we we have unofficially we talk um over a cup of coffee or you know i travel with them sometimes and a lot of them won't say anything because they have clearances but i can honestly tell you they don't know they really don't know what the people in this world think that they know um or else i wouldn't be involved with them um like like we are they're trying to find out just themselves. It's, it's conscience-based. It knows what you're thinking before you can think it. 
It knows every move you're going to make and it knows your reaction when it appears to you. It knows how you're going to react. If it, if it, uh, and it don't want to go against our free will. That's a fact. If you'll accept it and you, I put it in the book, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. You got to want to see it. You got to believe and you got to accept it. Tell them you're not afraid. And then you may develop a relationship with something from the spiritual realm. But you got to be real careful because if you're not grounded and, and you're a negative person, you may get the wrong thing. So it's, it's, very, it's a fine line you have to walk there. Well, Chris, you've been wonderful with your time and you've written the book. It's out there now for public consumption. It's doing incredibly well. Yeah. I wonder what do you think ultimately will be the final chapter for your story with the phenomenon? Well, um, I, I have no way of knowing. Uh, I know that the the book is touching a lot of lives. It, it's got some incredible reviews. I've had hundreds and hundreds of people writing me saying, I read the story and you changed my life. I cried the whole time. Um, it's really making an impact. And it's, it's like number one bestseller in four, five, six categories. And I never expected that. I just, I tried to stay neutral and not uh, put my opinion on what's out there. I let the reader decide for themselves. And um, I suspect that... Uh, I really don't know, Andy. It's a it's a hard question to to answer there, but maybe sometimes it's better not knowing. And like you've said, I think throughout and through the book, it's just an experience to to go along with and and just that experience it. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It's definitely an an ongoing experience, and it's a joyful thing to me. When I walk outside at night, I'm full of happiness and joy. <clears throat> and I expect them to come. Uh, I know they're there. They're in my house quite often. Just to, two or three weeks ago, I was sitting in my chair in my little cabin. And I, my wife knows I go out every night to, to, to look at the stars. I don't have TV. That's my television. It's the heavens. So I go out and it's cloudy. Five minutes later, I walk in and my wife, they're so desensitized from this it was like she looks up and says well when you got up and went outside within a minute an orb appeared over your chair a green one about yeah big around bright green lime green and it's sitting there sizzling sizzling making an electrical buzz, buzz, and it's only eight feet from her she never got out of her chair she's sitting there looking at it and suddenly it popped boom and it just popped and the whole room flashed with green light. And she's telling me this, um, which we see this kind of stuff very often. It was like four or five different orbs in the house in the last month inside the house, not just up in the sky or in the forest. So, Chris, I've not written this down, but I just want to ask you one more thing. Just the way you've spoken about the phenomenon throughout the interview, it's very much a part of your life. I wonder if, if you stepped outside tomorrow and it all stopped, how would you feel? Uh, well, I would have to accept it because um, 
it's totally up to them. It's not up to me. And I'll be thankful on my knees, thanking them for every experience and I ever had with them, thanking them for what they did to my family, to uh, the blessings that came. And, uh, and I know they're in total control, but I don't think that will happen uh, because it's only gotten sweeter and stronger um, and stronger and stronger, the connection is growing. And, and I, I ask them questions and they answer me. I hear them telepathically. And John Alexander, Colonel John Alexander, um, writes about that, his experience with me in his book, Reality Denied. The second chapter is about he and I walking the banks of the Cape Fear River and my daughter Emily was there and his wife Victoria. And we were standing against the car. The sun had set and the stars were coming out. And I looked over at John. I said, John, they're here right now. And I pointed up. And when I did, it appeared above us, uh, a huge ball of light. And it set there a second flashing and then shot off to the south. It didn't fly over. It appeared. And that changed his life. And, you know, he's a high-level government official. He was calling senators and everything before he left them there. It's just like, oh, my God, you won't believe what happened. But read that book, Reality Denied. And um, you know, I'm just grateful for what's happening. And it's not one bit negative to me. I don't listen to the negative stuff. I don't allow it in my life. I try to stay as positive as I can. And, and I believe good things are coming for us all. I really do. Well, I would encourage folks to pick up the book uh, UFO of God, The Extraordinary True Story of Chris Bledsoe, available on Amazon and other publishers. You can get audiobook uh, and you can get the paperback or you can get it on Kindle as well. And very much like Chris has said, don't listen to Chris or myself. Read the book and make up your own mind as to what you think of Chris's story and and the phenomenon that's going on itself. Um, Chris, you've been wonderful with your time. I very much appreciated it. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. And one thing I'd like to add is my website is ufoofgod.com. And on there, there's a link to Amazon where you can buy it. But there is, uh, if you want to reach out to my team or myself, there's a contact tab you can you can uh, send an email that way. It's an email tab. It goes to myself and my manager. But there are a lot of testimonials on there from college professors that have been here and witnessed it to, to um, film uh, people that film it with me and others. So it's pretty cool. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window.
down when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little bit. Meditative game of Fateful on Meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. And I climbed out the window after the elf And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head And everything was weird and everything was red And I called up my boys, they thought this was noise They thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys They thought it was my problems and they think I should seek therapy And I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me podcast is sponsored by Zencaster. Zencaster is the all-in-one podcasting platform that allows you to remotely record and produce your show with the highest quality audio and video. All from the main dashboard, you can find a full suite of professional tools to get your show created and published in the easiest way possible. You'll always sound at your best as Zencaster's post-production takes the headache out of audio production, setting your loudness and levels while reducing background noise with one click. Zencaster records video up to 4K to give you the perfect picture quality, whether you're in a shed or a studio. Then Zencaster will distribute your video podcast in crisp 1080p to all video podcast players. The biggest feature for me, folks, is that I get the local file recording from each guest so their audio always comes through as best as it can, regardless of any choppy internet connections. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use code UFO Podcast and you'll get 40% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you 
to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs, it's time to share your story. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.